Well, welcome to the Walsh and the Carpenter. My name is Jason Allgood. I'm the teaching pastor of Fellowship Bible Church here in Peoria. And with me, as always, is Gary Gear, pastor of Calvary Baptist Bible Church, also in Peoria. Gary, how is that water? I just finished it. <laughs> I had to. I was doing voices for Jason, and and it tore up my my uh, my my trachea. So my my uh, my uh, mellifluous tones are a thing of the past. Oh well. <coughs> there's more evidence. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Gary, it's uh, good to be back doing episodes, and hopefully uh, people are enjoying as we're we're hopping back in here. Um, what did you miss most about the Wallace and the Carpenter uh, since the middle of 2018? The awesome soundtrack. Yes. The yeah. awesome soundtrack. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and sometimes... Stepping in, I say this in all seriousness, and you and I talked about this about an hour or so ago, and we're kind of working through things for this new season of Wall, Wall for Wall Carp Radio. Um, it helps me get clarity on things because hmm. a lot of this is just Jason and I talking about things out loud to one another to get clarity on issues. Yeah, and uh, I've really appreciated that. Yeah, I miss that too, and and uh, there's been a lot of things that have come up in. Uh, the world and the culture and uh, in the church even in, in, since uh, June of 2018. Yes, and I will say if you've missed it, go back and listen to our previous episode in which we talk about pot. <laughs> All right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's that's our first episode in this new season, and uh, this will be our uh, second, uh, maybe. Uh, we may throw something else in between, but uh, yeah, please go back and listen to that. Um, we are planning on... Um, doing some interviews with some interesting people uh, over this next season. And so we, we hope that you tune in for that. But yeah, along that point, uh, Gary, we talk about some things that are have to do with the culture. We talk about theology issues. You know, theology obviously is thousands of years worth of conversation that has been going on in the church. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have missed this opportunity for us to uh, sort of bounce things off of one another. Of course, we do that from time to time over meals, but it's just fun to do it with the with the microphones on. And with the world listening in. That's right, know? man. And, the, the, and they call me up saying, what were you saying, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> That's just mainly joy. Yes. So. <laughs> I call that Wednesday. <laughs> Well, uh, on this episode, we're going to talk about uh, the book of Proverbs, specifically looking at the idea of wisdom and the fear of the Lord and some uh, some of those related matters. And Gary, you happen to be preaching through some of the Proverbs currently. Yeah, it, it, it isn't straight expository all the way through, um, but I'm doing several messages on themes found in Proverbs, on the use of Proverbs. I, I think one of the things that fascinates me about Proverbs uh, so much is, especially since last year, we had gone through Galatians and, you know, talked about grace and talked about the role of works and all of that. And then you've got this, this Old Testament book in which literally it's like, um, it, 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 it's almost like an, I, an, an Ikea manual for the soul. Sure. You know, okay, yeah, yeah, you yeah. just put, you know, <laughs> screw A and slot B and you turn into C. Right, right. And then you've got this shelf you can put baguettes on or something like that. And it's almost the Christian or religious equivalent of that. Mm -hmm. So how do you reconcile a book full of aphorisms and advice and rules. I mean, it, it smacks of legalism at its heart, mm -hmm. and yet it's in the midst of a narrative 
That's all about grace. So yeah. how should the New Testament believer approach that? Right. As, right. You know, just trying to think through that and and, and, and and to preach through that as a follower of Christ and one who believes that all areas of Scripture are useful for the believer today, that these are not necessarily historical anecdotes um, that we can, you know, look at, but say, hey, you know, how do I actually apply this to my life? That's really helpful. Uh, can you maybe give us a little bit of information on the book of Proverbs? Who wrote it? Um, you know, what what is kind of the the tenor of the book? Well, if you will? most of it's written by Solomon, and mm-hmm. some of it are written by other people. A man named Agur wrote some. Um, and even some of the voice changes throughout. I mean, it depends on who you read. Different scholars believe in different areas. Um, some think that 31 was written by someone else. Sure. You know, it's just, it's just hard to say. Um, but it is literally a guide on what it means to live wisely in a sin-cursed world. Sure. And and there are those aspects of it that um, are very much the father to the son or the children right. concept. I, right. I love that. Um, not, not just that it is technically that to some degree, but that there is this sort of, um, this sort of um, aesthetic to it as well, where you can almost sense the, uh, the father, you know, mainly Solomon, right, kind of putting his hand underneath his son's chin and sort of lifting his head and say, you know, son, listen to me. Um, uh, there, there is something uh, endearing about, if I can say that about God's word, I think I can, yes. uh, something endearing about that picture of the father to the child saying, I, I need to tell you this is very important. Right. And I, I think another element of it, too, um, which is, again, the, the uh, well, and you bring up a, just an incredibly vital point that ultimately for the believer, Christ-centered wisdom is not, that the primary responsibility does not belong to the church. The primary responsibility belongs to the family itself. Yeah, it's great. And I, I think that's very important to, to, to recall. And the church trains mm. the family to communicate that to their kids. Great um, point. Chapter 8 Mm. Of, of of Proverbs, does not wisdom call, mm. does not understand and raise her voice. And in verse 4, to you, O man, I call. There's a lot of people, and I, I would tend to think this is almost the Old Testament call to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Now, not in the strictest sense, mm-hmm. but but the call to a lifestyle that's centered in, in the person of God, in his character, in his authority, in his power, and to be self-aware and step into that world. Yeah. I mean, it's almost literally a call to salvation where wisdom is uh, given the, um, you know, uh, oh, what's the term I'm looking for, Jason? Personification? Uh, yes, person- thank you. The, yeah. the, she, 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 she's the personification of the call. And, of course, you got to be careful because then you can go into Gnosticism at this point and right. all sorts of stuff, Paige and Frank Peretti. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I see the books right there. Yeah. Um, um, yes, we're still in the church library. <laughs> yeah. But but you 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 look at that and there there is that yearning. It's mm-hmm. it's wisdom calling saying you yearn for this, you yearn for this identity, and and the path always leads to the Lord. So let me ask you sort of a side question. I was just thinking about Proverbs eight. There are some who theorize that this is actually maybe a, a personification of the Son, the the Word of God. Um, just a, a hermeneutical question there for you, Gary. Do you think that that's... 
I think it sounds nice, but mm-hmm. again, it's it's very soundly rooted mm-hmm. in 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 a female persona, mm-hmm. and there is nothing truly really divine about her. Now, I would bet, and I need to look this up, but I bet someone like Justinian would argue this is the logos. That's what I'm saying. In, in yeah, that, is, that, is, that is that is the argument. Is this is okay. this is logos here? Um, obviously. Now the word's not being used. Now explain logos for our audience whose eyes are crossing right now. Yeah, so John chapter one in John's prologue in the beginning was the word, so logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So uh, by verse eighteen, that's then uh, that terminology is given a name. It's it's Jesus is the word, and therefore, if we so the argument would go something like this: if wisdom is uh, who God is, and I think we have to say that we don't get wisdom from anywhere else but besides God. Um, then the personification of wisdom is spoken by the Word, just like God right. speaks creation into existence through the Word. Colossians one, John one, these kind of things. And so some theorize that you know possibly what's in mind here is e- even if it's not in the mind of the human author. It's in the mind of the divine author. Yeah, so, but I, I don't want to get into hermeneutics right, too much. No, but I just I I, I struggle yeah. with that because when 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 you see Christ portrayed even in a pre-incarnate state, you know, speculation whether it's in Joshua or in mm-hmm. other places, he's he's a very clear personality rooted in reality. He sure. he is not an abstract. Right, right. And yeah. if if you look at Proverbs, there's there's the comparison with a beautiful alluring woman is wisdom and a beautiful kind of trashy woman is yeah. foolishness. Right, right, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's the classic ginger Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's probably not the now, best. Ex- <laughs> explain to the people who are cross eyed now who Ginger and Marianne are. <laughs> just Nick sit right night. back. You just go to Nick just at sit night. Right back no, no, that's right. Them. Yeah. Um, um no, so I mean that's that's another discussion for another time. But um, Ginger Marianne, or or the foolishness yeah. and wisdom. Well, the foolishness okay, and wisdom, okay, and good. and then yeah, I think you should have brought that up. The, <laughs> the controlling verse, you know that that we want to talk about today is Proverbs one and, and seven, where it says the fear of the Lord. And and Lord, there if you're if you don't have your Bibles open, is in all caps. So it's it's Yahweh. It's God's proper name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, yet fools despise wisdom and instruction. So here's this, here's this um, two sides. It's, it's wisdom and it's foolishness, which is what, the, um, what Proverbs um, is constantly contrasting, is, is the, the wise person and the foolish person. So, Gary, can you unpack for us a little bit, oh, what is the fear of the Lord? Well, I, I, will, I will say this, and I'm just going to add something really quick before I try to start answering that question. Um, also in Proverbs 2, when he brings up the fear of the Lord, he comes at it from the other angle at the beginning of chapter 2, where he's saying, if you're really looking for wisdom, and if you're really looking for insight, it will you will literally run smack dab into the fear of the Lord. Mm. That's, that's going to be your destination, mm. if you're objectively looking for truth. Then over in chapter 9, when he talks about uh, the fear of the Lord, again, I'm not forget if it's 9 or... yes. When he says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the knowledge of the holy is insight. Mm. Again, I think, and then he follows in verse 11, for by me your days will be multiplied and yours will be added to your life. I think of Calvin's introduction to his institutes mm. where he, he tells, I forget which king he had he had committed 
Right. I don't remember too. either, but yeah. But he, he says, if you really want to know yourself, you have to know who God is first. Mm. So I just want to lay that out at the beginning. But to what, and not to me, the fear of the Lord, but I, I believe scripture consistently lays out the fear of the Lord is an understanding of God's character, of his authority, and of his power. And it is our response to that. It is It is not simply knowing the truths of these things, mm-hmm. but it's an ongoing self-awareness of what one's life looks like in light of God's character, power, and authority, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so could could I... Um, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Whatever it is, baby. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, it would it be fair to say that there's a distinction between mental assent and... Um, belief in what you just said yes but i i i think even the term belief putting a sentence belief to one another maybe is not i i think that's a bit confusing i would say uh belief in participation or assent and participation because it's it's one thing to say this is something that's true it's another thing to participate in that mm-hmm. truth yeah well i i think i would i would make the distinction Belief requires participation. participation. Okay, where, okay. Where, where, what I'm trying to distinguish in what you just said is that a mental assent says yes, that's true. Um, well, well, the demons believe, and they right come. exactly yeah, James. The, the James passage. But but belief says true. True belief is imbibing. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, not probably the best word after our last <laughs> podcast. Um, is is. Uh, is I like that participating in without the idea that we are earning something. Right. No. Yeah, no. Yeah. It isn't earning. It's right. uh, when I think of that, I think of like when my son, when he was five years old, helping me mow the lawn. He held on to the inside bar while I pushed the outside bar. He mm-hmm. contributed absolutely nothing to the process. Right. Right. But he, but he was along for the ride. Yeah. And that's not a let go and let God either. No. In what we're saying. So how does someone? Um, how does someone fear? The Lord. Well, would you say there's a difference between fearing the Lord and being afraid of the Lord? Um, maybe different. I guess maybe it depends on who we're talking about. Okay. Um, well, let, let me ask. I don't you know this. if we want to go into that. Yeah, I know we're going to get to the believer unbeliever thing, but okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, I think we almost have to go there now, but only in the sense of, okay. Anyone can look and see how big God is, Mm -hmm. but only certain people can appreciate Mm -hmm. and value the fact that God is, or the fact that God is good, or the fact that God is is loving. Now, I will say this. I don't think unbelievers are able to um, even notice God's goodness and God's love, but... They can look at God's other qualities, like his eternality, his, omnis- his omnipotence, his omniscience. Romans 1 type right. stuff, right? They, where, yeah. where, where, where they can see all of that, and they can say, this is a true thing, but they, they are incapable of appreciating it. So that's, you know, it's, it is, I, I don't know if, about you, but I still have dreams where I look up and things are too big. You know, mm. like like the moon is next to the earth, and mm. all of a sudden the moon opens its eyes and looks at me. And then I wake up in a cold sweat because right. the moon is looking at me. Right, it's, right, it's right. scaring the crap out of me. Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't have those kind of dreams, but... <laughs> well... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I have a lot to talk about. Uh, um, but... But 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 there's a this fear. is the fear aspect. Yes, yeah, this yeah, is the sure. fear of something being too big or right, too powerful. Right, right, right. So so when when you're asking fear and afraid, I do think that there is a there is a holy fear 
where it's like, yeah, God is not only big, he is wrathful. Yes. And he is righteous and he is just. And that always is in the sense of God being who he is, counterbalanced with his mercy and grace for those who are in him. Okay. Um, but, man, I mean, uh, the author of Hebrews says, you know, our God is a is a, a fire, you right, know? Right, And so there is this, uh, there is this sense of, of fear, um, but, yeah, I don't know. I always I, struggle with that I, I would, definition. I hear what you're saying. Right. I, w- I, would, I would say this, and I, I think you'll agree with me with this 100%. I, 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 I do fear my God in the sense of his discipline as a father. I mean, mm. the older I get, the more I really tie into the pleasure of God himself. And like, sure. I'll say or do something that's like, man, God's not happy with that. I'm not afraid of being struck with a lightning bolt. Right. I'm not afraid of right. him getting me in the afterlife or whatever else. Right. Jesus has covered all of that. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. But I know my father's unhappy. He may discipline me. He may not. I right. really don't know. that. That's not right. the important part. Right, right. I just know he's unhappy. Yeah. Well, we make it our aim to please him, yes. right, is what it says. But I do, so. the more I grow in Christ, the more I fear his wrath against the unbeliever. Sure. It, it, it used to be I was happy to see people go to hell in my mm. younger days in high mm. school. Sure. I remember... I was a friend of mine, Colin, and I were like driving along the eastern seaboard after graduating, and I heard Sam Kinison had died, mm. and two other blasphemers had died. And I, I mean, in my arrogance, and I say this in my arrogance, and pride is like, well, God hit a triple or something like mm. that. But looking now, it's like I wouldn't wish God's wrath on anybody. Right. right. I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Except for a select few. But uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who they are. You know, you're out there. No. Um, but. God's wrath, and and the more you grow in Christ, that's where my fear goes. And I think John talks about this in Second Corinthians, and knowing the fear of God, we persuade men. Yeah, not John, but Paul. Yeah, but I'm in First John. He kind of oh, said, First John. Oh, okay, but no, but you're right. I'm quoting the wrong verse. I'm thinking of something else. Well, perfect love casts out fear. That that's different. Yeah, yeah. But Second Corinthians, Paul talks about the fact of. Um, knowing the fear of God, we persuade men. I believe right. he's talking about, I fear on their behalf. Absolutely. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and of course, we, we often come back to this definition of fear being reverential awe. That's yes. kind of the shorthand yeah. definition of that. Um, and uh, yeah, I just... But I think it needs to be growing. Okay. I, I, I think the fear of the Lord is an ongoing self-awareness of growth in God. And I think it's the Old Testament... If you look at it, it's, it's where it's put in Proverbs itself. And he says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And mm-hmm. wisdom is living out all these things. He's basically right. saying, you right. can't do any of this stuff until you have an ongoing knowledge of God. It right. isn't going to make sense to control your tongue. It's not going to make sense to hold your temper or to not sleep with your neighbor's wife or whatever else. Right. Unless you start with the Lord first. Yeah, and I, to, to the point of that, when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge... Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The opposite is that the wise will um, will enjoy wisdom and instruction. Yes. You know, so um, we're, we're we need to look at those counter things as well. Um, so, so let me ask you this: um, Can an unbeliever have knowledge or wisdom? Will they always, in some sense, despise instruction? Or how do we understand this? You know, in other words, the classic sort of. You know, uh, question is a guy like Stephen Hawking, who's now uh, passed on, um, very, very brilliant man, but would say God does not exist. So, well, and mean, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I, I, we get that, right? But, but man, here's a guy who's brilliant. 
How do we handle that? Well, I mean, isn't we 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 are all still created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. We are capable of perceiving the universe in a way that no other creature does in reality. Mm-hmm. God is still working through His prevenient grace, mm-hmm. His providential grace, mm-hmm. in or common grace. Pardon me, that's the term I'm looking for. In His common grace and showing people His creation. And again, this is a very common definition. Wisdom puts it into context. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Is it Van Til or Dory Reed? I forget which. Who talks about there's no such thing as brute fact. That mm-hmm. is that there's literally no fact that is not a theological fact. Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. ate a Chick-fil-A today. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. Sanctified food. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 I mean, all truth is theological truth. I sat there and ate a breaded chicken breast of a chicken that had been created in the eternity past or, or determined to be created by God. And he also ordained the person who was going to put the breading on it, whoever was going to be shipped, when it was going to arrive, that I have the money in my pocket, that you would make the suggestion we did Chick-fil-A, that I would get three packets of mayonnaise to go on, on the chicken thing. One goes with the fries. Um, I mean, I, I, I go on and on. Right. All truth. Is theological truth, and people such as uh, Stephen Hawking or Jackson Brown playing a song or whoever else, they bypass the theological truth, or let me put it this way, they always approach it with their own theology, and they shove God's theology out of the way. Yeah, yeah. So they can have an understanding that isn't a full understanding. In other words, they they can connect the dots. Yes. They can do the math. They can... Think about the math in ways that you and not. Well, I don't want to speak for you that I can't think of. Oh, I, um, I, I so they're so they're 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 they're. I think it may be. Um, I can't remember if it's Van Til or some other presuppositionalist who says they're basically robbing from God to make their point without making God's point ultimately. But they're never going to arrive at that because their heart is unregenerate and the things of the Lord doesn't make don't don't make sense to them as First Corinthians says. Which which brings another point then, and let's go to another question: Should unbelievers get married? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I know where the question. I know where you're going or, or, with that. Well, yeah, yeah. And let me ask you this way: Is there benefit? Yeah. In unbelievers getting married, and to me, I think if you can answer that question, I think you can. You will, in a sense, answer part of the purpose of Proverbs, even in the believer's life. Okay. Well, my thought goes to common grace, which you just mentioned, okay. which is that um, order. Um, uh, God's order specifically uh, does not produce chaos. It produces um, things that are um, beneficial even to the non-elect or the, uh, the unregenerate, if I could say. Brains that. on the just and the unjust. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, the, so you've got you've got benefits that are accrued even without knowledge of God, or or, but but you're still coming back to God's wisdom. That's God's wisdom that says mm-hmm. that that's a good thing. So yes, I think they should. Even if they don't grasp the totality of the reasons of why they should, it's it's interesting. I listen to a fair amount of conservative politics by unbelievers. Sure, um, and one of the things they've mentioned again and again, or one of them that I listen to, is that um, one of the greatest indicators of economic success is that you wait to have babies until you're married. Mm. And if even unbelievers can see that and right. say, right. And you mentioned this earlier, by going according to God's order, you can gain benefit 
from following God's rules without having a regenerate life. Right, right, sure. Yeah, and that's that's why you can't have a baseless law, ultimately. Yes. Um, and and this, this does speak to this issue of the wisdom of Proverbs, because <coughs> you could, I think, I think you could apply the wisdom of Proverbs to an unbeliever for very pragmatic reasons. Yes. And just say, hey, look, um, you know, there, there isn't, I mean, you may or may not have this conversation. In your mind, you may be thinking, there is no such thing as a baseless law or a baseless reason for doing something. It's all based on who God is. But with sort of that in the background, you could advise someone the best thing to do is to to get married and then have children. Right. You know, I mean, it's funny because we'd say, well, that's common sense. Well, common sense um, sort of implies that it's common. (laughs) Right. And that people have... Some sort of sense that it's common, but 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 there's a lot of pushback on that now. Of saying, course, yeah, and that's the point. Saying, saying yeah. well, no, but but how can you claim it's of a greater benefit to my family? Yeah, and that's there? and that's the point. It's yeah. no longer that which is common. Yeah, because we say, well, it's baseless, and so it, it, if you're going to run away from God, what what does it say right here in, in, in Proverbs one seven? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You ever read Plato's Republic? I haven't. I okay. need to. There is, when, when he is trying to construct, and again, there's question whether he was doing this out of satire or he really meant it, but in making the perfectly just city, he hypothesized that there would be no marriage, but that people would just sleep together, and then as soon as a person has a baby, the baby's taken away and raised by the community as a whole. Hmm. And then you determine what role that child should place in the community, whether they're gold, silver, iron, depending, or brass or whatever. I can't remember. But it's interesting to see him trying to create an alternative um, uh, ethic Mm. in order for there to be a just city. Mm -hmm. And from everything we know about history, it works the total opposite, that when a child is unmoored, I mean, as Mm -hmm. as one who works with foster care, and one of the worst things that happens to kids is when they're moved from, from school to school or from house to house. Right. And the instability developmentally that that causes in someone's life. Right. And the things that we can hope best for our children outside of what God commands is ultimately the most destructive. You know, actually, you know, causes RADS, you know, reactive attachment disorder, Disorder. things like that. Right, yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, at at the end of the day, I think what we're saying is that um, wisdom... Uh, applied even in the unbeliever's life when they aren't even willing to recognize God um, will bring about um, better results than not, if if I can put it that way. But I will will say this, for the believer who goes to Proverbs, and it's easy for a believer to read Proverbs moralistically or to read it as an advice book unless they start with the fear of the Lord. There there are several places within Proverbs where he's like, okay, if you fear the Lord, you're going to be humble. If you fear the Lord, you're going to hate evil. And if you think in the most literal term, the more you appreciate and you love God the more you're going to hate anything that doesn't look like him. Right. That twists the things that he makes and makes them ugly. Yeah, sure. So, so, so Proverbs always has to be connected on a devotional level to me with, with something else. Okay. If that makes sense. Sure, sure. Yeah, and, 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 and lead us out uh, of this episode with that, Gary, just kind of that final thought on um, how does a New Testament believer... 
how does a New Testament believer um, live out what's in the Proverbs without it being moralism, but being gospel centered, Christ centered? Galatians five, fruits of the spirit. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I I always think of that because Galatians five tells me the root of my righteousness is what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life as mm-hmm. I seek Christ. Mm-hmm. Proverbs tells me what that fruit looks like. Okay, good. I mean, if you sit there, you. Know, and as 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 one, I'm trying to think. I mentioned before I struggle with uh, with uh, envy sometimes, or I struggle with uh, with jealousy or anger, and I see the fruits of the spirit coming in my life, and then I'm going through problems like, oh, that's what that looks like to not do this, or that's what it sure. looks like to talk this way or yep. to do this way. It actually articulates some of those applications, and you're keeping it connected to the cross and the tomb all the way through. Yeah, you're just not looking at you know. Better Ways to Live, brought to you by Solomon. Right, right. So one final question based on what you... I, I just asked you to lead out, and I'm asking one more question. Um, what would you say to the person in your church who s- says, um, this is what God promises in Proverbs. I've tried it, <laughs> and it doesn't work. Well, I... In other words, here... Genre. It's a per- Genre yeah, criticism it's a, to you. It's yeah. a formula. Right. right. No. Uh, yeah. One plus one equals two, Gary. Right. And I'm trying one plus one, and it's coming out four. What's what's happening here? It, it's interesting. I never thought of those terms until my sophomore year at college, PCC. Mm-hmm. And this is before your time, but there was a there was an elder there, a pastor at the at 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 the church. And his son had gotten in trouble. His older son, who wasn't living at home, he had gotten in trouble drinking or something. And he came before us and he said, uh, you know, you guys are all quoting the Proverbs passage, you know, teach up a child in ways you'd go. He said, those weren't promises, guys. Mm-hmm. He said, these are general probabilities saying if you tend to go in this direction, this is going to tend to happen. I remember feeling so outraged at that moment. Mm-hmm. And then I went up to the library afterwards and just started digging through and reading through and thinking through. And it's like... Dang, I think he's right. <laughs> where, right? Where again? I I think these are more descriptions, right, of what the fruit looks like as yeah. opposed to a formula, right? And there's also the whole ev- the whole access element too. We don't have time to get into this today. I think there's also a covenant element with Israel mm-hmm. that there may have been more directed promises towards Israel. But not the same towards us as far as physical issues. But that's a whole other. Yeah, yeah. And no, there's disagreement. I'm not even sure what I think about all that. And either. that's and that's the reason why I brought that last question up, which yeah. was the 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 issue of this is what it can look like, and yes. most likely the trajectory that it will take. I think trajectory is an important word to use. That's yeah, excellent. yeah. So the fruit of the spirit is this, right? And Proverbs, this is what it should or could or may right. look like generally. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, great. I would, I would agree. That's great. Well, hey, listen, thanks uh, thanks for listening in today on uh, this episode on Proverbs. Uh, we really appreciate you um, uh, giving us a listen once again as we've come back here uh, recording some episodes. Uh, if you get an opportunity, would you go to iTunes and uh, give us a review there? You can check us out on wallcarpradio.wordpress.com or check our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Wallcarp Radio. Now, I also want to point out, Jason did an awesome design. We are not communists. <laughs> All right? When you I check like out the our... design. Jason likes the design. We are not communists. When you check out our new uh, logo, you'll see the reason why that is, uh, that is said, and maybe even some of the comments that are there. So, uh, But thanks for listening in. We'll catch you next time. All right, God bless.
Wolfman Jack was in, um, uh, oh, what's the, for, uh, George Lucas's first, um, yes, uh, you're talking about American, uh, graffiti, American graffiti. Yeah. He was, did, did you ever watch the, a tick? No, the I never did. Of the tick? Uh-uh. Oh man. Oh man. I, I know that it's good. I just have never. There, 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 there's one guy who, who was, he was the bad bomber of Palms at Midnight, and he would talk to us like this all the time. <laughs> He'd say, yeah, babies, space cowboys, I'm making gravy without the lumps. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing your throat, man. just driving along. Yeah. He says, you have to have a gas. You have, you have to have a thing, baby. What about bombs? He goes, I'm bombs. I love it, baby. Use bombs. <laughs> You're killing yourself doing that voice. All right. Ready? (laughs) Ready to go. We've been recording that whole time. That's going to be on the outtakes.